Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Give it up for Jesus if you would. So what I didn't realize, so I wrote that, you might recognize that voice, that was me. Uh, back in, way back in 1993 uh, or four. And I remember writing that song downstairs at my mom's house in Sioux City, Iowa. I was downstairs in the basement and it's a northern basement. Um, so it was just like all just kind of nasty and, you know, musty and that whole deal. The piano was rickety, out of tune. And I remember coming back to Iowa after having been here. I think I was probably on staff here for maybe a year, maybe a year and a half, maybe about two years, actually. And I remember writing that song down in my mom's basement and needing a place to go where I could find refuge. And I remember just pouring out my heart on that piano, and it was one of the quickest songs that I ever wrote. I wrote it probably in maybe one or one session, uh, 95% of it or so. And I didn't realize until I was thinking about what I'm about to teach you guys this morning is that I was dealing with mental stress 30 years ago. I didn't realize that that song was my cry to God because I was dealing with mental fatigue 30 years ago or 20-something years ago. And so I told you all last week, and this is a, I won't say it's somber, but I will say it's something that in my heart I feel like there's going to be a lot of ministry today and a lot of hearts that are going to be touched by the word of the Lord this morning. And so I take my time because a lot of times you know, we come in and I'm not sure. We study and we try to get all of our stuff and our notes and things together. And, you know, you never know how it's going to hit. But I don't even have to be real prophetic to know that all I have to do is look at Google and statistics tell me that somebody in here is dealing with mental stress. Statistics tell us. Um, we don't have to even go to the Bible necessarily. But I'm reading through and I'm reading through articles and I'm looking at different, you know, scenarios that I found myself in and around and I just am so desperate for God to make sure and to help the body have the answers to what we need to do to walk through into mental health. Amen. So I'm going to take my time. I got a lot of verses and a lot of scriptures that we're going to jump into this morning. Um, but I already sense his presence in the room. And a lot of times when we're going through our preps and you know, in the morning before you guys get here, our team's here, 7 o'clock. Some of those guys are earlier than that. And we prepare our hearts because we know that every service and every time we gather, there's something specific and unique for that group of people that day. And we also know that by way of technology, we're so grateful to be able to come into so many of y'all's homes and into your cars and into your lives and so forth. And I thank God that there's no distance in the spirit as well. That there's no distance between what the word of God is saying and doing here and wherever you are as well. 
And I'm so intent about it because I realize that my, my nature, um, I'm a worship person. I'm a worshiper. I'm a guy who loves the presence of God. And I might have said this before when I taught this, but the truth is, if you think about my natural propensity, sometimes it's bent toward mental stress. As a creative person, as somebody, as a creative, a lot of times we have high highs and low lows. Anybody know what I'm talking about? A lot of times we deal with stuff and we're working through things. And I am so grateful for this tool, this weapon of worship. Because I realized that when I wrote that song and I was contemplating whether to keep trying to pursue the ministry thing or move forward and what God had for me in Ocala. And I was going back and forth and I had these opportunities to go back to Oral Roberts University. And then the pastor in Sioux City wanted to hire me to be on his staff. And I was just, I was working through and fighting through and struggling through and wrestling through. And I needed a place that I could go where the presence of God met me. And he dealt with what was happening in my soul. That's why I'm so intense about worship. I don't know what person or what song or what moment might affect you. When I chose that song today with you, I love that first verse or second verse, I believe it says, here in the waiting, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Why? There ain't no reason for me to focus on the stuff I can't control. But all my attention in this moment, in the wonder of this moment, is in your, on your presence. In Jesus, your presence, it comforts my what? My soul. I sense God already. And there's no magic trick. And there's no one size fits all. It's not simple and it's not easy. But it's available. And it's possible for us to walk in the type of healthy mentality and our soul. God has given us the opportunity to walk in the freedom. And I love knowing, I love knowing that 30 years later, after writing that song, I feel stronger. I feel more secure. I feel more complete. I feel um, like there's no more chains that, that are tugging at me and pulling on me anymore. I love knowing that the victory that, that I've walked out, and I don't say this to pat myself on the back, but that that same victory is available for anybody who will go after what God had. Come on. It's available for anybody. I mean, you know, the, the, the weight of watching and looking through, and we'll go through some scripture and stuff in a minute, but just thinking about all the times where I'm finding you know, I'm hearing about these kids and some of our loved ones, and I've got some close relatives and family members and things, and all of these folks, and so many of them are, they're just, they're just completely propped up on medicine, and they're propped up on the stuff that they're getting from their counselors and so on and so forth, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but how many of you know that the Bible, the Bible, the Bible is fully comprehensive? You know that? So it deals with, I told y'all last week, your spirit, your soul, and your body. It deals with all those aspects. So I'm just going to believe God that maybe something I can say to you, one person, one person there, might be a different perspective on how you think about your soul 
and what's available for you in the way of freedom. I wish I had several weeks, but I got about 25 minutes left. So here we go. So jump with me, if you would, real quick over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And that's where our bulk, our, our uh, verses today. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says in verse 7, it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a what? Somebody say sound mind. And of a sound mind. 2 Timothy in the Amplified says it this way. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment. I love that. Of sound judgment and personal discipline. The abilities that result in a calm and well-balanced mind and self-control. Wow, that's good. And then 3 John verse 2 is the part that I also want you to see real strong today. It says, Beloved, I wish or I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I'll say it again. I want you to prosper and be in health even as your what? Your soul prospers. Father, bless this morning in the name of Jesus. Let the word of God penetrate every heart, every listener. My tongue is yours. My thoughts are yours. And this moment that we have together, God, I thank you for complete effectiveness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So let me just define this real quick in the interest of time. Um, that word prosper in 3 John verse 2 says the word prosper means to give success to. To lead in a good way, to prosper, to give success to, and to lead in a good way. The word health simply means to be healthy. Now, I love this part, too, because the word soul in that verse, the word soul in that verse is the Greek word suke. And I'll give you some definitions in a moment, but the word suke, which is where we get the word psychology, psychiatrist, psychedelic, <laughs> the word soul the Greek root word, suke, psychology, psychiatrist, psychedelic. Um, and we know if you've, maybe this is just a review for many of you, but we know that the, the soul is what? The mind, the will, and the emotions. Does everybody know that? That's one of those teachings. Maybe if you don't, maybe you're new to the house, but that's what we believe the soul to be. The soul is your mind, it's your will, and your emotions. Your soul is also your mental disposition. dispensation. In other words, or disposition, sorry. The soul is the way that you think about things. It's the part of God or part of you that God created that is uniquely you. It's, who, it's what makes you who you are. And I found it interesting because, uh, I don't know about y'all, but I found recently, actually probably about two years ago now, for whatever reason, I was picked to do the Gallup poll. Anybody know what the, the Gallup poll is? And they I don't know where it came from. I thought it was a gimmick. And then out of the blue, they sent me all these surveys. So I get a survey probably every three or four weeks. And I mean, it can be a wide variety of topics. Sometimes it's health, families, finances, government. It's, you know, racial stuff. I mean, it just gives you this full gambit of stuff. So I was like, yay, I like this because I feel like my voice is being heard. And then I get like a $2, uh, you know, Amazon gift card from it. <laughs> <laughs> so that doesn't stink either. Hey, it's five bucks now with inflation, okay? 
<laughs> so, so I use it for my Amazon. And I'm like, yeah, I, I got a thought about this. I got an opinion. Um, but so, so every time I've seen these, these polls and statistics, I'm wondering, like, who's giving the information? It's me. <laughs> so let me just give you a list of them. I could give you five pages of them, but I'm going to give you the ones that I found the most relevant and pertinent for what we're talking about today. It said here that there's a survey called the Household Pulse Survey. And I thought this was cool because the Household Pulse Survey, they said it's basically real time. They're getting information every week from different sources around the country. And so as recently as April 11th, 2022, so you're talking about just a little over a month ago, it said that 38.3% of Americans reported symptoms of depression. That's right, Siri. Here's what I found. <laughs> she does that to me all the time. Did you, what else you find, Siri? She's over listening. So it said that 38.3% of Americans had reported symptoms of depression. It said that 45.6% reported symptoms of anxiety. And I don't know if y'all know what that means if you break down that 38%, but it basically it's saying that it's affecting one and every three American adults. Look around you. <laughs> maybe it ain't you, but statistically it's saying maybe somebody on your row is dealing with depression, anxiety, and all the other stuff that comes with it. And I thought, well, then there has to be an answer from the word of God. Because, because I feel desperate and I don't know what to do to help. I do everything I possibly can, but God, please show me in your word some of the things that we can do. And this is a message full of hope for you today. Say amen. amen. This is good news. It's good, but we got to get there to it. So it said that 46% reported symptoms of anxiety on one recent survey. And I thought this was interesting. It said one recent survey said that the social workers and the counselors... It found that 64% of them are experiencing burnout. So all the people you're going to are burnout. You ever think of that? I started thinking about it. I said, well, let me just look this up. And it said 64% of all the folks. So they said that there's not enough counselors, that schools are backed up needing people to help, that clinics are backed up because there's not enough folks that can help folks walk through their mental stress and anxiety. And I'm here to tell you again, I know somebody who can help you. there's a place where you can go when you have a weary soul. There's a place that you can go when you're stressed out about gas prices. There's a place that I can go when I don't see an answer for all the stuff that's around me. So the 64% of these counselors that are burned out Based on trying to carry everybody else's weight, I just thought, God, if we can just learn how to cast that stuff on you. Now, this is not an either-or proposition. It's not a quick fix. And this is not me saying I'm anti you finding the help that you need. But I will say this. I was listening to um, 
a man who happened to be a 42-year therapist. He'd been in the business for 42 years. How many of you say he's probably pretty credible? 42 years in the business, and he said that about half of his practice he did specifically without, he was a Christian the whole time, but about half of the time that he did it, he only used just the natural principles. He didn't talk about the whole spiritual side of things. And he had some incredible, incredible quotes, and I'm just going to give you a couple of them. But this 42-year-old, or not 42-year-old, this 42-year veteran um, therapist said this. He said, therapy is not a savior. Therapy is not a savior, nor is the therapeutic model a new gospel. And everybody's now so clear because we took the stigma off of it. And we took the chain off of it. And instead of us being the way maybe some people were in the past, we just pray it off and we're just going to shock up a high and break the devil's neck off of you. And da, 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 da. Right? Yeah. And so then we go to the other, the other place where we believe in you getting help and talking it out and walking it through. But I love what this 42-year veteran said. He said, therapeutic model is not a new gospel. In other words, you can't just bank your hat on what everybody else decided to start doing in the season that we're in. And I know I might be stepping on toes and I know it might be challenging and I know all these things, but I feel like I've earned the right to walk this out. I'm 30 plus years in ministry. I've seen a lot of people and a lot of stuff. So he also said this. He said, um, I agree and I encourage you to seek healthy Christian therapeutic relationships when needed. But keep in mind, brothers and sisters, he says this, therapy is an excellent tool, but a terrible religion. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. It's a great tool, but it's a terrible religion. If you bank your absolute truths on therapy, let me help you out. If you bank all of your thinking about being free and breaking through and getting rid of generational curses and the mindset and getting off your medicines and all the stuff, if you bank that stuff and it becomes a new religion, this 42-year veteran said, don't bank on it. Yeah. Then he goes on and he says this, um, therapy is a wonderful tool and, a, and counseling is a wonderful process, but neither of them can save you. Neither of them can. He's not discrediting them, discrediting them, but he's saying it, it, it can't save you. The last quote I'll give you from him, it says, never again, and I love this, and this is where we're going to tie it all together. Never again do you need to be confused about what is generating emotional stress. It is distorted thinking that's causing you to deal and to live and to perpetuate the cycle of this emotional stress. Now, I don't have a lot of time, but I need you to look with me over in um, Philippians chapter... No, 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 no. Go back to the top. We'll go back to the first verse. Let's go back to 2 Timothy. And the, the context is king, right? So it matters when you hear something in context like where it was being spoken. So in 2 Timothy... I had never seen this before. Second Timothy, Paul is writing this passage to his young protege, Timothy. 
And if you don't know much about Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's a powerful man in all of New Testament scripture. He's one of, the, one of God's generals, one of the powerful men in the Bible. But Paul is writing 2 Timothy to his young mentor E, protege, right before history tells us it's right before Paul is about to die. So Paul is telling this young guy, he's saying, listen, oh, by the way, let me give you this as well. What I found out is in 2 Timothy, Paul is writing this in part from a jailhouse, so the toughest of, of circumstances you can find. But then it goes on to say that during the time that Paul is writing this to Timothy, they are under the governance of a mentally deranged man by the name of Nero. Now catch this, this goes together. And what I found out is that Nero was one of the most wicked emperors that ever lived. And what I found out in history, historically, that Nero was one of the guys who was absolutely, they said, they called him debaucherous. He was one of just the worst, craziest emperors that ever lived, and he was persecuting believers. So Paul, in the middle of this government, by the way, this man Nero committed suicide. So this emperor who's over the land, who's over the government, Who's over what those people were having access to? How many of you know that government stuff is not just in the natural, but it affects the spirit realm too? Do y'all believe that? So this guy who, who is debaucherous ends up committing suicide, it said historically, at the age of 30. So Paul tells his young protege, he says, listen, Timothy, there's a lot of stuff that I need to get to you. I need to make sure that you're hearing me. I'm basically on my deathbed. I want to make sure that you're hearing the very last words that I'm speaking to you because it's super important. And then Paul goes on and he says in 2 Timothy, for God's not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And I want your mind to be sound. I want you in the middle of the most treacherous, debaucherous society that you can find yourself in. I want you to make sure that your mind is sound. That you are full of the spirit of God. I want to make sure that you have healthy thoughts, that you have a healthy way of living, that you have a healthy perspective on what is going on around you. I found this church, don't you understand that just because we are Christians, it does not exempt us from struggle? Nobody told me that when I first got saved. I'm thinking it's all going to get better and because I start giving, I'm going to be blessed right away and because I'm serving God and worship him, you know what? You're a bigger target when you do that. That doesn't mean you lose, but nobody told me that, that just being a believer doesn't fix everything that I'm walking through. There are processes that we have to walk out. So now let's move on here and jump down to verse, verse, um, verse 15 of Luke. It says, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will, be able to, will not be able to contradict or resist. And I love this verse. It says, by your patience, possess. Somebody say possess. possess. By your patience, possess your what? Soul. Your souls, your spirit, your soul, body, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Possess it. That word possess in the Greek, the original translation means to own or to dominate, to control over, or to capture. 
The word possess means to own, to dominate, to main control over, and to capture. In other words, the scripture is telling us that you have the authority to capture your thoughts. No, it's not deep. But if people were getting it, you wouldn't have 64% of counselors burn out and 38% of people, one in three, dealing with mental anxiety, stress, depression, all the stuff. We wouldn't have kids who are walking around like zombies on levels of medication that should be used for a horse or something, you know? We wouldn't have... so. So I'm listening to it, and I'm watching the, the articles, and I'm hearing the periodicals, and I'm, and I'm, I'm watching it online, and I'm, and I'm dealing with people one-on-one, and we're having conversations, and, and my heart breaks for me because I just think, I know that sometimes things are a process. One of the things that this counselor said, if I can find it, it was really good, but basically he said, he said that the place for counseling and restoration can be very much like restoring a broken bone or a broken limb. And he said, so there's a place for it. When I was, when I first got here, I guess it was probably 98, maybe 99. Some of you guys don't know this, but we used to play basketball about every Sunday afternoon. We had a whole batch of us. I got a sweet J too, by the way. Sweet is pretty, whatever, okay. Norm, don't laugh at me. It was all right. It was all right. <laughs> it wasn't great. <laughs> but, but we used to play basketball every Sunday. So we'd go out over, I think it's called Tuscawilla. It's right off of 40 and, and you know, 40 and 3rd Street or something. So we would go over. We'd play basketball. I'm out playing basketball. We're running down the court, and I'm not doing anything. I don't have a really great story about it, but I'm just running down the court. And I'm thinking, at some point, I thought somebody got shot because I heard a boom, pow. I'm like, oh, my God, I got shot. And I thought somebody shot me. What I found out is I had torn my Achilles tendon. Yeah, and it sounded like a shot, a shotgun, a bullet hit me in the back of my ankle. Now, what I am trying to connect this to is the fact that therapy has its place. But you got to do the whole process in order for you to be fully functional on the other side of it. So I was tired of therapy. I was in my cast, I was in a cast over my knee for almost, I mean, the better part of probably seven months because I was tore. Remember, that was just a terrible time that I try to forget. But I tore my Achilles, and then I thought I'm going to heal it up without doing the surgery and stuff. And so I'm going through the process of trying to get it healed up. I'm in my swimming pool over at Greenfields, which is still, I don't even know if it's still there. Is it still there? Is it Greenfields? So over at Greenfields, I'm in the pool, and I, I'm doing my therapy. I push off the side of my deal, and bam, it breaks again. Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. That's Charles Barkley saying. Terrible. So, so I spent this time trying to go through therapy, and I hated it. And what I didn't realize is that because I did not complete the process, because I didn't use all the tools that were necessary that if you go right now, and no, you're not going to do it, but if you came up and touched the back of my ankle, um, when I go to a massage or I get my toes did every once in a while, come on, come on ain't nothing wrong with self-care. 
You want the whole treatment, Mr. Lindsay? Mr. Lindsay? He said, yep, I'll take the whole treatment, the wax all the way at the whole day. That's neither here nor there. So, <laughs> neither here nor there. But when I go, she'll ask me, the first few times I went, they were freaking out because on the back of my ankle, it's like a knot. And because I didn't do the therapy correctly, the scar tissue didn't have this whole process. Y'all get where I'm going? So it didn't heal up the way it was supposed to. And I feel like therapy without God in the middle of it is an incomplete process. I'm telling you. Without God, you can walk through. You can talk about your past. My past was checkered. I haven't told this story and I won't do it today. But boy, I walked through some stuff from the time I was a little kid. Lots of stuff and just different things. And so there are moments where I needed to hash it out and talk it out and get it out and move it out and rehearse it and do what I had to do. But if God is not there to heal you up, you are incomplete. And that's what I'm finding. And that's why 38%, one in three of you. So there's so much that I believe maybe in the season to come, I don't know what else we're going to be able to do as a church, but I'm just going to give you, and here's the thing, this 42-year veteran said, the key to all of it is knowing the word of God. Because he said, he said, do you understand that depression and anxiety is being afraid of something that's not even happened or probably won't even happen? Do you know that? Do you know that most of the time that when we are struggling about something and we're losing sleep and we're frustrated about stuff, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, please, I'm not diminishing the fact that some of you have had some treacherous stuff to walk through. And things have happened and you have walked stuff out. But he talked about the fact that so much of it is just wrong thinking. Seeing yourself wrong. Seeing the scenario wrong. Believing something that's not true. Believing something that is outside the word of God. I don't have time to review it, but last week I talked about spotting the lie. And if you can go back and watch it, I think it'll be worth it. But spot the lie. That whole concept is basically saying, I have to fill myself with the truth so that when the enemy inevitably is going to come and lie to you and tell you that life is not worth living. And tell you that you will never get out of this hole. And tell you that you're a complete failure. And tell you that the world would be better off without you. And tell you that I'll never find my place in this kingdom. And let's just go down the list. Check, 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 check. I blew it too many times. I can't be redeemed. I'm a hopeless case. Check. I'm a failure. Check. When he's putting that stuff on these precious people who are dealing with all the stuff, I just think God help us to teach them to replace it with your word. I, again, I won't. I went through a process years ago, and if I'm honest, it was a life-changing process, and I wouldn't be standing before you today had I not gone through the type of ministry and basically therapy that I got. 
But I remember on the other side of it, the Holy Spirit was so precious to me. And it reminded me, A, that because of what you've walked through, you're going to help to see a lot of people set free. Yeah. But he also reminded me again that everything that I had now gotten broken free and they laid hands on me and we shika bahad and I prayed and cried and laid out and I did all the stuff I got rid of. I went through, can I be this honest on a Sunday morning? I went through deliverance. I didn't spit up green stuff like the exorcist or whatever. But I went through deliverance. And I mean, God had to break me down to get me free from stuff. And here's the thing. My victory, my freedom, my, you know, transition was instantaneous. But how many of you know I had to walk out the salvation part of it? And so to this day, just so you know, to this day, next to my nightstand, in actual written paper. Y'all remember what paper was? <laughs> like an actual tablet with a pen and stuff. I didn't put it on a note. I didn't put it in some great digital format. I have a physical piece of paper sitting next to my bed. And the walkthrough that I had to do with my, we can call them therapist or whatever, it was three days. But the walkthrough that I had to do was replacing all of this stuff that I saw and thought about myself with the word of God. And I got scriptures that talk about who I am made in the image of God. And I got scriptures that tell me that I am no longer a slave to sin. I got scriptures that tell me that I am an adopted son because part of my testimony is I didn't have a father and da 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 da. And, you know, I was by, de by definition, I dealt with the spirit of bastardom because I had been born out of wedlock and I had all this identity crisis and stuff. And, and I think it's funny that God put me in a job where I'm talking to people because <laughs> I'm an introvert. I'd much rather just mind my own business. <laughs> Fooling with y'all, I got my own stuff to deal with. Just kidding. No, but I'm, I mean, by nature, I'm an introvert. And I just find it hilarious that the stuff that he had to work out of me, I see in so many of you. Oh, I see it. I hear the self-talk. I hear the conversations you're having in your own minds. Now, when I have an appointment with somebody, I can deduce it in a few moments hear exactly where they're coming from, see it. And I think, God, I have had to continue to do the work. Remind me that I'm not less than, that I belong here. Do you know how long I would be in the room? I'll go into this. I didn't have this in my notes. But do you know how many times I'd find myself in rooms that I didn't feel like I belonged in? And I'd be so insecure about myself that I would just shut down I wouldn't talk, I wouldn't converse, I wouldn't interact because it didn't matter what God was saying, it was mattering what I was saying. And all the conversations were just horrible, they were terrible, just bad stuff. I mean, I had to get to the point where, and I love this principle, that was one of the counseling principles. He said, listen, anything that you wouldn't be willing to walk up to somebody and say to them about them, don't say it to yourself. 
right? I'm going to never just walk up to somebody and bash them and tell them how ridiculous and terrible or whatever they are, but I'd let the, the enemy lie to me over and over again. And I had to walk it out. And the stuff for me, the tool of worship, um, I mean, I'm glad that God put a gift on my life from the very beginning of my, of my life. I could sing and play and be in front and do the things, but I realized that that was saving my life. <laughs> because when I was stressed out and overwhelmed, I knew how to get on the piano and say, there is a place. And maybe you don't have that tool. Maybe that's not, your, that's not in your wheelhouse or your bag. But there's so much by the word of God. And I'm just going to give you some scriptures. And I'm going to pray with you. It says, I'm going to give you a bunch of them. In Romans, so we're replacing the wrong thinking. Romans chapter 12. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Uh, let's start with Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and pleasing and worthy of praise. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says this, just a bunch of them. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I'm going to read it off the screen. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God Almighty. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, You will keep me or those or them in perfect peace. Who, All who trust in you, all whose what? Thoughts are fixed on you. Second Corinthians chapter 2, or excuse me, chapter 10 verse 5 says this, We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And we capture the rebellious thoughts and we teach our mind to obey Christ. Oh God. We teach ourselves. And this is not self-help people. Can I help you with that? This ain't some self-help guru book I'm talking about. I'm talking about the word of God. When it says you're not enough, you are enough. When it says you're broken, you can be healed. When it says you're unfixable, God has a plan for you. When it says you are destructive, God has healing for you. When it's, come on, when it says you are bound to your addiction and whatever else it is, God has freedom for you. I'm praying for somebody right now. Sort of an offshoot of a family member. And I'm desperate. She's been on medication for 20-something years. And unfortunately, I don't know the scenario, or maybe some of you have the answer, and you've seen freedom and victory, and it's worked for you. But I'm just telling you, this poor person is like a zombie. And I pray for her. And I believe that God can... I believe that there's nothing too big for my God. But how many of you know you got to break off spiritual things and then you got to replace what you are dealing with with the word of God. 
It's not self-help. It's not some simple answer. But God is able. And my time is up. (laughs) And I don't know even what all to do. But I know statistically somebody's dealing with it. Can I finish with, no, I got one more finish. I was listening to one of my favorite artists yesterday and I found out it was actually his church that about a year and a half, well, two years ago, maybe three years ago now, 2019, that one of their primary, you're talking about a mega church, eight campuses, tens of thousands of people, big facilities, beautiful lights, popularity, access to everything imaginable, that one of their key lead pastors committed suicide. And they were just talking about how in the world can somebody get to that place? This guy's teaching the word, doing the stuff, da-da-da-da-da. And then they were talking about moments and conversations that they'd have with this person and realized exactly what I'm saying. You can talk whatever you want to say, but what you are saying to yourself. What are you telling yourself? That you can't be fixed? You're too far gone? This is too deep a hole? What are you saying to yourself? So I don't have a magic wand, but I got the spirit of God and I can feel him in this room today. I feel him, I feel him, I feel him. So start that backing music. Bow your heads and I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you right now for this moment. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the atmosphere of faith in this room. And I ask you right now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to breathe on every person in this room. I ask you to breathe on those who are watching by way of live stream. I ask you to let your spirit and your presence, God, help us to not fall into the statistical categories. And I know, just Google it, somebody in the room, somebody in the room during this time, this pandemic season passed. Thank God we're through the bulk of it. But Lord, I know the weight, the weight and the pressure and the things that the enemy has put on your people. And I don't have a lot of time, so keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And I'm going to ask our camera guys to be real sensitive. So you're just being really sensitive about who's in the room because maybe they don't want the whole world to know it. So I know that these guys are awesome. But I'm going to ask you right now. I know it. I know. I, I know. I know. I know. Depression, anxiety, maybe even suicidal thoughts. And I ain't talking about a passing thought. I'm talking about you've chronically lived in it, been in it. Maybe you're on medication. I'm going to ask you to lift up your hands right now. Lift them up. Lift them up strong and bold. I see you and 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 you. Yep. Yep. No shame in it. No shame in it. But God, I thank you. Saints, could you begin to pray right now with me if you would? 
Father, I thank you right now for the power of your healing spirit and presence. And I thank you, Lord God, that this doesn't answer all the questions, but it gives us a, a roadmap, I believe, God, to say, let the conversations that I'm having be full of your word and your truths and your promises. And every person who was bold enough this morning to lift up, the, I feel like there's a couple more in this room, so lift them up. If it's you, I'm going to wait for another second. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I knew it as actually. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that right now, or those who are dealing with the mental stress, anxiety, depression, heaviness, maybe suicidal thoughts. Lord, we know, God, this is a pandemic, Lord, an epidemic or whatever you call it. Lord, but I ask you to let the healing balm of Gilead, I ask you to let your healing virtues, your power, I ask you to let it flood over your people. And Lord, I just thank you, God, that in this society that it's become such the norm. Lord, I pray for these counselors. I pray for these, these social workers who are burnt out. I pray for, Lord, Lord, those who are on the front lines trying to walk people through their issues. But Lord, I thank you that you've given us an answer and it's found in your word. And I ask you to help us to draw closer to your promises, to find places that dispel the lies of the enemy and that speak the truth of who you are and who you want to be to us in every single area of our lives. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We worship you now. And I thank you, Lord, for your spirit today. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, did you get something out of that today? Barely scraping the surface. 2018, I think it was. Um, I got to do all four weeks talking about, I don't know if you realize, May, the month of May is Mental Health. Come on, Mental Health Awareness Month. And uh, go with God. Be blessed in your, your ventures. And if you need, if you need, References, if you need whatever else, you can come to some of our pastors and we'll do the best we can to help you walk out what you need. But thank God for his spirit of healing. Come on, give, give him another praise. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. Thank you.